this episode of the Naturist Living Show, Felicity from YNA returns in an interview with a naturist filmmaker. This episode of the Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca Welcome, dear listener, to this latest episode of the Naturist Living Show. My name is Stéphane Deschain. I'm your host for this podcast. I'm the owner of Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park as well. I want to thank you for your patience. This is the April 2013 edition of the Naturist Living Show, but you're listening to it at the earliest in May, because unfortunately, uh, a lot of things have uh, come together to really put uh, things behind, and I'm a little behind, but... I will not be missing a show. You will get all the shows you paid for. You will get two shows in May. Uh, The May show will happen in May as well, I'm pretty sure. I have uh, lots of content for both shows. So we're just a little late with the April show. So my apologies. Um, Thank you to everyone who wrote. I I got lots of uh, comments asking what was happening, but mostly concerned that everything was okay. And thank you to everyone who wrote to find out what was going on. And uh, thank you again, everyone, for your patience. So on this show, we're going to have Felicity coming back, and uh, I really hope she is a regular contributor. She's going to talk about some of the YNA events and share her opinion about clothing at naturist or nudist events and update us a little bit on Lighthouse Beach. And uh, a little bit later, we're going to be doing uh, an interview with a naturist filmmaker, Thomas Lundy. Uh, before we go too far, though, I want to thank uh, Stephen. Stephen, because he uh, contacted me and he uh, suggested that the Naturist Living Show should be on YouTube. And of course, it doesn't have a video portion. It only has an audio portion. But as he said, it's good to be on YouTube because a lot of people use YouTube and it's uh, a search engine for some. So unfortunately, I didn't have time to create the YouTube channel and convert all of the audio MP3 files into uh, video files. But when he heard I couldn't do it, he volunteered, and he has now completed the task of converting all of the MP3 files into uh, video files, and they're all on a YouTube channel. So thank you, Stephen, for all that work, and if anyone is interested, uh, I will put a link in the show notes so that you can go and see that YouTube channel. It is very busy right now, of course. It's uh, the beginning of the season. Everything has to be done at the park. Uh, Everything that was off for the winter has to be turned on. All kinds of repairs, all kinds of new and exciting projects to expand, improve, and uh, just keep the place uh, always getting better. We're never stopping. And uh, new marketing opportunities, new marketing insights. And uh, the other day I was at my office uh, in Newmarket. Uh, Newmarket's the closest city to Bear Oaks, and I have another office there because I have another business. Um, yes, I somehow managed to have two businesses that I run, uh, not by myself, of course, and uh, a whole bunch of volunteer activities, as you've heard. And I was at the Newmarket office when uh, somebody was at the door, and my uh, one of the administration person who answers the door announced uh, that there was someone... Uh, who wanted to see me. 
And usually I don't take people without appointments. But this person came as a reference, a referral from uh, someone else that I know. So I decided to see them. Um, they were a photocopier rep. And uh, as it turns out, I was in the midst of looking for a new photocopier for the office. So I let her in and uh, we sat down in the boardroom to discuss a little bit what she had to offer. But uh, quickly, she was asking me about the, uh, the business in Newmarket and about Bear Oaks as well. And that casual question uh, led to about an hour-long discussion about naturism and the philosophy. And uh, after about an hour, I said, well, look, I wasn't planning on this particular meeting today, and I have a lot to do. Um, so you are clearly interested. So why don't we finish this meeting tomorrow afternoon at 1? I'll be at Bear Oaks, and you can see what it's like. And if you really like it, then you can participate. And if not, uh, we can just talk about photocopiers. So she looked a little shell-shocked by the suggestion, but she agreed. And the next day at 1 o'clock, she, in fact, showed up at Bear Oaks. So I took her uh, and showed her the video that we showed all new people and then talked to her a little bit. And then uh, at this point, you got to imagine that, of course, everybody in the office is nude and I'm nude and she's dressed, looking a little awkward, as people do when they're uh, the only dressed person in the room. And I'm asking her what she wants to do next. Does she want to look around or does she want to just talk about photocopiers? And she says she wants to look around and that she'll take her clothes off. So that little awkward time where, you know, you're not sure, are you supposed to undress in front of everybody or do you go somewhere else? But just to make it easy on her, I gave her a little a space to go and undress and leave her stuff. And she came out and we went for a tour of the property. And it was a beautiful day. I mean, it still is. We're having an incredible week, even though it's the beginning of May. Uh, the weather is so hot. Um, we're getting uh, 23, 25 degrees today. Uh, just just perfect and sunny. I mean, it's been beautiful. It's like July weather. And uh, so we have a wonderful walk around. We even go for a swim in the uh, lake. It's a little chilly, of course, because the water hasn't warmed up. But the air is so nice and warm and the sun's so hot that uh, it's still a pleasure. And as we're walking around, we see the whole property. She's absolutely enamored by everything. Um, then, uh, you know, I say, well, did you want to talk about photocopiers since that was the initial reason you were there? So we start chatting a little bit back and forth about photocopiers as I was walking in this beautiful nature. There seemed to be something almost incongruous about that, talking about this technology and business as we're, uh, you know, walking nude and barefoot in the grass in the sun. But, um, you know, she has the product that I need, and unfortunately the price that she's offering me is a little higher than I was hoping to pay. And so she finally said, look, this is what I can do. And she says, this is the lowest price I can give you. And, uh, you know, at this point, I'm not making any money. So if you're going to do this, and then we're going to do this together, and you're going to take this price, then you have to give me a free membership. I said, all right, sounds like a deal. So not only did I uh, get a new member that day and made a convert, um, but I got a great deal in a photocopier. So, you know, it's funny. You never know where the next uh, person is coming from. You certainly didn't expect it uh, usually from a, a single woman who's coming into the office to sell photocopiers. But that's, that's where our newest naturist came from that particular day. So it was great to have Felicity in the last show. She has provided us with another segment for this episode. So without any further ado, 
Hi everyone, this is Felicity of Young Nature's America and back for my second segment on the Bear Oaks podcast. So we are super excited in New York because it's finally getting nicer outside and getting warm. A lot of clubs are opening up for the season now. As far as events, we have a gathering scheduled at Sunny Rest in Pennsylvania, May 17th to 19th, which is our opening weekend. There's going to be volleyball games, hiking, swimming, yoga class, and lots of activities, so this will be a fun time. Um, Sunny Rest has a young adult rate for age 18 to 35, plus all rates are 50% off that weekend. So this is a really affordable mini vacation. And then, just after Sunny Rest, is the famous Naked Painting Party on May 23rd in New York City. And if you've never heard of it, this is a body painting party where everyone gets naked in a bar and just paints each other. It's produced by a company called Social Exposure Media. And there are usually a couple of professional artists there, but mostly it's everybody just covering each other in paint. We've done this a couple of times, and it's such a blast, so much fun. And it's huge. Hundreds of people attend this, mostly a young crowd, and it's 21 and up. And we, YNA, are sponsoring this event with Anar East. And there's always a theme for the party. And this one, it's Maya, Mayan Riviera, because Social Exposure is planning their first destination naked painting party for August this year at a high-end nudist resort in Mexico called Hidden Beach. I've never been to Hidden Beach, uh, but if you need a reason to go to Mexico this year, I think this is a great reason to go. Now I'm going to mention our trip to Bear Oaks again in August for the Canadian Naturist Festival because our registration is up and we need people to get bus tickets now if our YNA bus is going to happen. This bus will go from New York City to Bear Oaks, making stops in New Jersey and upstate New York. So if you plan to take this bus, please sign up now. You can visit the ticket page or see more details at bearoaksyna.eventbrite.com. And Stefan has put that link in the notes. I also just wanted to talk about a topic that I discussed recently on my blog. The topic is what clothing is appropriate or inappropriate at nudist clubs. A lot of clubs have lingerie parties at night, but I bring this up because I saw a lot of lingerie on the Bare Necessities nude cruise back in February. And it wasn't just at night or at the party scene. So I started thinking, should clubs restrict the kind of clothing people can wear, either at parties or even when it gets cold? And my article was kind of inconclusive, but I gave it some more thought, and my stance is now against lingerie, basically for two reasons. The first one is because putting on lingerie, or really any clothing, takes away from some of the best things about naturism, such as equality. When everyone is naked, everyone is equal, and clothing changes that. The second thing is that people essentially practice naturism to be naked. There are already plenty of lingerie parties in the world and places to wear swimsuits, so I think we should preserve this basic idea of being a naturist or a nudist. So that's my opinion, and if you want to read the discussion and share your thoughts, you can visit our website at nudistnaturistamerica.org, and the article is still on our homepage on the right side. It's called, What is Inappropriate Nudist Clothing? And one last note. On the last podcast, I was talking about Lighthouse Beach on Fire Island,
that's the big nude beach in New York that was recently closed for nude use. And since then, NAC, the Naturist Action Committee, has issued an action alert for Lighthouse Beach. They're asking people to write letters or emails to the superintendent of Fire Island National Seashore about why they should reopen the clothing optional section. So go to naturistaction.org and see their action alert section for instructions and then start writing letters or emails. We don't need to lose this beautiful nude beach we've had for decades. So that's it for this month. For more YNA stuff, you know where to find me. Thanks for listening and hope to see you next month. Bye. Thank you for that, Felicity. And uh, because it's a little bit after you recorded the show, I know that unfortunately uh, the bus has been canceled. They just didn't have enough people who were committing far enough ahead of time uh, for them to take the risk on having to pay for a uh, full bus. And if they didn't uh, cancel, they would have been on the hook if things didn't work out for the cost of the bus. But they are planning on still doing the trip. They're coming, and they're going to organize carpools. So hopefully we'll still get a good group of people coming and joining us uh, for the festival at Bear Oak. So if you're still interested uh, in coming, you're definitely welcome to go. But I know from organizing trips like this, uh, people are often a little uh, leery about uh, committing that far ahead of time. And in fact, that was an issue with the, the trip to France. The trip is on and it's definitely happening. Uh, we have, I believe, 32 people going. I thought we would sell out to 50, but 32 is a great number. And uh, we're definitely going. But uh, I wish we'd filled it up. And uh, But we had to make a decision. And we had to make a decision in March at the absolute latest. So we did, because you can't keep things open forever, even though for some people that's a little bit uh, uh, ahead of time to plan their whole vacation and make a big commitment like that. So so don't give up. Do uh, contact YNA and uh, do get involved in this trip, because it's going to be a lot of fun for that group coming up to uh, Toronto area, to Bear Oaks, to participate in the festival. In 1953, uh, the uh, INF was founded, the International Naturist Federation was founded in France uh, at Montalivet. And so this year is the 60th anniversary of the INF, um, and there's going to be a celebration. So the uh, INF uh, Big uh, Petanque Tournament is happening September uh, 13th, 14th, uh, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, that weekend. And then the weekend after, 20th through 22nd, will be the INF celebration. And it's happening at Montalivet, which is, of course, the place where the, the, was the birthplace. So if you're interested, again, in going to Montalivet, uh, there's some really good deals. Uh, September is a, there's much better pricing because it's after kids go back to school and it's a lot quieter. Usually there's better prices on airfare as well. But I was there in September of last year, uh, of 2012, and the weather was fantastic in September. It was hot and beautiful, and the ocean was warm. So if you want to uh, go to Montalivet, if you want to go to France, that's a great opportunity. Come and join us for the uh, 60th anniversary celebration of the INF. Um, it is not certainly limited to just uh, special people or anything like that or people who are invited. Anyone is welcome to join and participate. So... If you want more information, you can go to the INF website, and I'll put a link in the show notes about that too. It's inf-fne.org. 
when I was at uh, the INF uh, Central Committee meeting, um, I think I, I announced before that I was elected uh, to the INF Central Council, or Central Central Committee, excuse me, um, in last September uh, during the, uh, the the Congress by the federations. So uh, we have to meet. Uh, we, we certainly communicate regularly through the internet and uh, through telephone and all the various ways we can communicate. So we're always working. But it's always easier to get things done as a group uh, when you have to discuss things, when you can get together face-to-face and across the table and really discuss and debate things, particularly when there's multiple languages involved. And so the uh, twice a year at least we get together and uh, we have a pretty long agenda because we don't get together very often. And the first one for me was in March. And when I was in March, it was in Belgium that uh, the uh, Central Committee met this particular time. Um, I, uh, I had some time afterwards. I flew in through uh, Amsterdam and I was flying back through Amsterdam as well. And so I had an opportunity to uh, meet up with a, an old friend, Thomas Lundy, uh, used to live in Canada and uh, was very involved in uh, naturism and the movement and youth. He was the first person to start a, a club in a university, a recognized club in university that had organized swims. And he um, studied to be a filmmaker, wants to be a filmmaker. I guess he is a filmmaker in lots of ways. I mean, I call him a naturist filmmaker. Um, even though he hasn't had a lot of big commercial successes, unlike some of the other people we've talked to in the past. But uh, he's been at it for so long, and he has so much passion for it, that I think it's a, a pretty fair label to give him, a pretty fair title to have in this particular point. So I sat down with Thomas, and uh, that gave us an opportunity to chat a little bit about uh, naturism and uh, his life and career so far, and movie making. You're you're uh, you're an aspiring filmmaker, or would you say you are a filmmaker? Uh, well, I've made films, so and they've been at film festivals, and they're at they're on IMDb, which is the uh, for anyone interested in film, it's the Internet Movie Database, uh, containing all titles you can ever imagine for film. So I, all my three films are on that database. If you look under my under my name, Thomas Lundy. So you've done commer- movie com- com- movies commercially. That makes you a filmmaker. I guess you're not a famous filmmaker yet, hopefully one day. And you've done a couple, or at least one finished film that has a real naturist theme called Nude Knot. Yeah, yeah that was my, that's what I consider my first professional film, although I made you know, amateur films before that because I was actually sold that film television in France called Canal Plus, which is uh, the biggest broadcaster in Europe, based in Paris. Um, uh, so they actually bought my film, and that was a six-minute black-and-white film that I shot in Toronto, in Cabbage Town, in 2000, in February 2000, and um, in black-and-white 16-millimeter film with three actresses and myself. And uh, yeah, it ran at film festivals for six years after that. It's actually a great story, and uh, we'll put a link to it so people, the listeners can go and watch it themselves. Um, but it's, you know, it's, uh, there's a very much a, uh, a lot of room for interpretation about the meaning behind it. Do you want to tell us what you meant behind it? Uh, yeah, I wanted to, <clears throat> uh, to make a film that, that would kind of confuse you, like you, uh, that you would be watching it and, and thinking, what's this all about? And, and then walk away from it 
you know, maybe having multiple interpretations to try and make it linger in your brain because that's what I think the job of a filmmaker should be. So, yeah, there's, uh, there, uh, you know, there's one, because basically it's, um, yeah, a woman moves into this uh, apartment and she thinks that she's seeing nude people, but they say they're not nude. And then it reverses itself. But it's in one way, from a nature's point of view, you could look at it and say what it's saying is, what the film is saying is that the nudity itself should be unremarkable, uh, not worthy of comment. So it should just be so normal that, you know, why are you even mentioning it, that kind of thing, you know? Because that's what one of the characters does in the movie. says, why are you, why are you nude? And they say, what are you talking about? And um, to try and drill that into the brain of because there's still so many people out there who just make such a big song and dance of nudity like uh, like it's such a big deal um uh, when it's not you know it's it's not that big of a deal i mean they should be making a bigger deal out of graphic violence if anything you know so in in that movie um is there a lesson um I suppose, uh, well, as I say, there's different, you know, <laughs> different interpretations, different lessons. You could say uh, one lesson is uh, that everything is kind of subjective and, and, and you know, relative, according to the perceiver. Um, uh, so that's that's another thing also in the film. Uh, uh, so having different opinions and. Um, because uh, I, I love the idea of democracy as well and pluralism of thought and, and even people sitting down at a table who don't agree with each other in a civil way having a conversation and just exploring all the different sides, you know. So that's one thing. But I, I suppose, yeah, another thing is, uh, yeah, just kind of showing nudity, um, uh, trying to suggest it as something that could be normal. And, and what was the inspiration for it? Um, well, I wanted to. I knew. I knew that I wanted to make a film because at that time I was just graduating from the University of Toronto. I got a bachelor in education, and I was a member of different clubs, including the film, the Hart House Film Board uh, Club. And I knew they rented out cameras, and I, I love the idea of renting out not a video camera but a film camera, an actual film camera. Um, they didn't have thirty-five millimeter, but they had sixteen millimeter. Um, and so I knew I wanted to make a film you know and I'd made films before that but I, I really wanted to try and make a proper film that would actually be seen at film festivals and if I could sell it that'd be great which I did um, uh, but the actual inspiration of it funnily enough I mean subconsciously probably it was naturism because at that time I had the I had started the first uh, accredited um, club at, at a campus uh, club at, a, at any tertiary university or university college in Canada, which was the University of Toronto Naturist, 1998, I officially registered it. And uh, I ran that two years until I left from Vancouver in 2000. Then it carried on for another two years and that just kind of died. But so subconsciously, probably the naturism was the thing that inspired it. But consciously, the film that inspired it was I'd just seen... Um, Stanley Kubrick's last film, The Eyes Wide Shut, which was, again, about that kind of... Not everything you see is... is um, Like, there's more to what you see kind of thing. Uh, and there's always something underneath. And um, so, yeah, because I, I wrote that script for that film 
uh, I think it was October 1999. And I just seen Eyes Wide Shut when it came out. I think it was in July 1999. Um, and I saw that film a number of times. And I, and I thought, you know, Stanley Kubrick is my favorite filmmaker of all time. And my favorite, my fil- favorite film of all time is 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's one of those films that you can, I can watch over and over and over and over and over. Never get tired of it. Uh, which I can't say for 99.9 of films I see. I can just see once. I can't see it a second time because I already know it's going to happen. And there's nothing deep... Because uh, uh, I, I want to try and make a film that contains some elements that are deeper than what you just see. So it's you know, not just beautifully shot and well acted or directed or written, but something deeper that makes you want to go back to it again, maybe a year later, maybe two years later or whatever. So you're in the middle of uh, another naturist, uh, probably inspired movie as well. Certainly a message that rings quite true with naturists. What's that one? Um, Naked Conversations with Nude Women. Um, that was the the film I started, that I, I came up with that, that idea in November 2007. And I'd been uh, volunteering at a documentary film festival in Amsterdam, which is not many people may know this, but it's the it's the biggest documentary film festival in the world. It's called the IDFA, International Documentary Film Festival in Amsterdam. And the second um, most important biggest one is in Toronto. It's called Hot Docs. It's a very prestigious uh, documentary festival. It's the documentary festival for North America, and Amsterdam is the documentary festival in Europe. And then there's another one in Switzerland. But anyway, um, I came up with that film, Idea, that I would film women naked um, having conversations. That was the starting point. But then I thought, well, it, it can't just be um, nude women. I didn't want to, I was very worried in the beginning because when I first I came with the idea in November 2007, but I only actually started filming uh, more than a year later because I, I, I was very nervous that I didn't want it to make it look like just these nude women and that's it, you know, I didn't want it to look cheap um, uh, or kind of cliche. So I had to kind of wrap around some kind of deep depth to it. So then I I, I was thinking about it for months. And then finally I, I stumbled upon a very famous zoologist called Desmond, Lewis, uh, Desmond Morris, who wrote a famous book called The Naked Ape in 1967, I think. It's a bestseller. And since then he's written many books. And then he had just come out in 2008 with uh, Naked Man, it's called, because he'd written a book called Naked Woman, and then 2008 came out with a book called Naked Man. So I b- bought that, read it, and again, another fascinating book, you know, exploring human behavior and, and the body and the, the messages that the body sends out and so on and the genders and everything. And then at one point in the book, I think early on in the book, he mentions that with technology now, the whole, the roles, especially in modern, westernized, technologically advanced countries, um, the roles, the gender roles are changing uh, enormously, especially with science and nanoscience. And he argues that it's just a matter of time with nanotechnology that women will be able to reproduce without sperm. So they will totally not need men whatsoever. No sperm necessary, just stem cell uh, technology. And literally getting cells out of their bodies and then whatever, reproducing them and then, you know, making their own babies. And they could could even choose to make females only if they wanted to. 
So then it would, then he was toying with the idea that there would be a, a women, a planet of women, basically, that, that men would just gradually vanish. So that that was a fascinating concept. So I thought that was one of the questions I, I started writing questions that I would ask to the women. That was one of the questions of, what do you think of this concept of a women reproducing themselves, stem cell technology. And then started looking into goddess art, and then if you Google goddess art, you see you find plenty of uh, artwork of uh, the goddess idea, the goddess concept uh, of, you know, the woman being fertile, procreating, and that's the whole reason humans exist, is because of sex, is because they, uh, and women are the ones giving birth to, to men and women, so they're creating the planet, they're they're the guarantors of the human uh, species, if you will, because without them, there's no life. So that I found fascinating. And then you, there's plenty of artifacts going back thousands of years to, to the most ancient, even in prehistoric days, of, for example, you know, having paintings on walls or little uh, uh, sculptures of, of, of fat women that, um, which means, you know, just I mean, fat women meaning pregnant women meaning uh, fertility. So that was another concept, so I put that into the film. And I think I had about a dozen questions, and and then I was looking into matriarchal societies, uh, like ancient, uh, current-day Iraq, Mesopotamia, <clears throat> this kind of thing. And <coughs> um, the idea of a society that would, that would be matriarchal in modern times so that women... If you look at some countries that are very progressive, like Iceland is the most uh, egalitarian country on earth. It's uh, more than 50% of parliament members are women. And business and uh, business ownership, half of it is women. And uh, So they're kind of a model society in that sense. And then you look at, and then I think Sweden's number two, or might be Denmark or Finland or Norway, but those Scandinavian countries are, are high up as well. I think Canada is, was number 17, if I remember correctly, or not so sure, but of 193 countries, at least 193 member states in the United Nations. But um, so then I started. I, I, then I, I, you know, I was reading all these books, and it was getting quite academic. And then, then I thought, okay, I just have to start this thing, this project. So then I had to, how do I find these women? So some women I knew, and then I was. A lot of it was word of, word of mouth, but I also wrote articles about this film that I was going to make, and I sent out press releases to every single Nature's magazine on Earth that I could find, and I think there were about 20 magazines, and I think all of them published it with photos and my contact details, and I even made a demo, I think about a one-minute film, just showing what the film would look like, so that the women could, who were not sure about it or were curious could just look at the demo and see and get an idea. Um, but funnily enough, not a lot, not many, because uh, it was even published in the Canadian magazine, the, Fe the FCN magazine, Federation Canadian Nature is Going Natural, uh, and the French version as well, um, Au Naturel. Um, and no women from Canada contacted me. Uh, mind you, I did go to Canada. I had filmed some women, but they weren't naturists or nudists. They were just through my sister, uh, friends of my sister, sisters, but um, uh, yeah, but and then I think yeah, every Nature's magazine published it except uh, the Catalina one. They never bothered to reply. I tried to get in touch with them a dozen times. Uh, <laughs> if the if the Catalans are listening, uh, 
you, you made me very, very frustrated. And I, if, I, if I could only, you know, one thing I could say is if you receive an email or, or a phone call, answer it. <laughs> I can't stand non-replies. I cannot stand non-replies. But anyway, um, so yeah, so then I ultimately came up with 22 women that I filmed. Um, and I think 80% of them were through just my word of mouth and personal network. And a couple, one was in Norway, and she was through the Norwegian Naturist magazine. I think she was the only one who contacted me through the Naturist magazine. Um, and I even approached uh, the centenarian, uh, Jean, uh, what's her name again? Uh, uh, Christiane Lecoq. Mm -hmm. uh, and I spoke to her on the telephone a few times, wrote her a letter, she answered me. Uh, I really wanted to have her in the film because it would be so wonderful. Because I was again, I wanted to uh, avoid a situation where um, I didn't want people to think or you know to accuse it and say, "Oh, you know, it's just it's just these nude women, and it's just for perverts who want to look at nude women." And to counteract that potential uh, accusation, I wanted that's one of the reasons I wanted to have a centenarian in there, and especially this woman who was the the wife of the founder of the. French, I think French Nature's Federation and the first, the the, the magazine as well. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it called? Au Soleil or? La Vie au Soleil. La Vie au Soleil, right. Um, but unfortunately she declined. I, I really pushed hard, but uh, she was kind enough to write me a long letter and and, and to take my, my and to actually speak to her on the telephone twice. That didn't work. But however, I did get a woman with dual breast cancer. So both breasts... Uh, had been removed because of cancer, and uh, she was she was in her forties, I think, late forties. So she's in the film, and she talks about what it's like. I mean, the thing is, I, I filmed you know twenty two women, and I had at the end of the day, I had, uh, and this is you know this went on a number of years because um, I had to find these women, and I had to go to these countries, I had to go to seven different countries to find these women because it was so difficult to find these women because I, not only am I asking the woman to be nude on camera. But I wanted to, to, you know, real woman with real names. That was important. And then they had to have real, they had to basically had to be intelligent because they had to have opinions about this kind of, uh, these ideas that not everyone thinks about all the time, you know, kind of like matriarchal society and, and, and a future without men and uh, science and, and technology and egalitarianism. And, you know, so basically thinking women, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, twenty-two women, of which only I think eight are used in the in the final cut, which is only ten minutes. And I had thirty hours of footage that I'd filmed over a space of a, of a number of years. In total, I've been involved with this film for five years. Um, but my whole thinking all the way through this was because uh, I was just like this poor struggling artist guy, uh, you know, with with no money, trying to kind of make ends meet, going to to film a woman when I could, when I had the money. Uh, and within Europe, it, it, it's fairly doable because you have something called EasyJet. So you can fly, like I flew from Amsterdam to Milan for 50 euros return, for example. And you can do those things. Or, or to Strasbourg, France, where I filmed uh, an artist, um, also 50 euros return. So I could do that. That was doable. But um, I uh, then at the end of it, when I had the, t the 22 women and the 30 hours of footage, um, all along, I was thinking this is going to become something bigger because I really wanted to make it a, a feature-length film, and 
and initially I wanted to have, you know, film the women, but more than just having the woman in the picture, and I always film them against a black backdrop. So I bought this huge three-meter uh, sheet, uh, jet black, and then I would film, they would just lie, like in, just like in a painting, because it was also inspired by the, the Impressionist paintings and the Renaissance paintings, like uh, Venus by um, um, Urbano, Urbino, is it? Or, um, Rubens? Not Ruben, well, Rubens was also in there, but I had all these these painters. Uh, it's called Venus by um, uh, names on the tip of my tongue now, but Italian Renaissance painter. But um, uh, you know, and then you have to ask the question. That was also an inspiration for the film. Is you know, at a certain point, like in, let's say Renaissance art, and it was before that too. But what it really blossomed in the female nudes, where that really blossomed, was in Renaissance art in the fifteen hundreds and thirteen, starting the fourteenth century in Italy, and then. 15th century, you know, 16th century. Um, and then suddenly, suddenly all of a sudden you're seeing all these nude women in paintings and they're all reclining nudes of female, female reclining nudes. Uh, and that this, this, this went on for centuries and this has gone on for 500, and still today, I mean, the, the, the female nude is still the fixation. Whereas before that it wasn't, it was, it was male. There was a time when the male nude, if you look at ancient Greek art, for example, they have a lot of male nudes with erections. And that was the, the, it was admirable. It was, and then male nude actors in ancient Greece acting in theater, always nude, uh, performing sports nude, but always fixated on the male form, the masculine form. So now it's been the female, it's been the, the women for half a millennium. So that was also an inspiration. So then the question behind that, of course, is if you look at the psychology of it, well, why, why this fixation with the female reclining nude? And the, all the and the people painting these nudes, these female nudes, are men. So, and I think it's because, uh, as men, well, of course, women too, but men can't reproduce life. So they have sperm, of course, but they can't reproduce. So maybe they're thinking, uh, you know, the the the, the, you know, the Oedipus, Oedipus complex and this kind of thing, you know. And and uh, like my sister used to always say when she went on dates, uh, she used to check out how her male, potential male, par male partner would treat her mother. Because that was an, always an indication of if, how a man treats his mother. Ultimately, he'll be treating his female, if he's a heterosexual, female partner, maybe the same way, or at least, you know, there'll be similarities. But So that whole theory um, came into it. Um, so, but I always thought that it would make it would become a bigger project. That it would become a feature-length film. I really wanted to, to become that, and that I would have these big paintings uh, digitally uh, put in after, like in post-production, and 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 really make it a high-quality visual spectacle. Just the beauty of it all, of the artistry, and then just the human body, and then in this case, the female human body. I was thinking of having nude men in it too, but uh, in the end, uh, you know, it became women, but. Uh, I was thinking that this was just going to be a, pr a promo, a promo promotional demo, and I was going to get funding, and it was going to become this big thing and a big film. And, but it is incredibly difficult, and especially nowadays, there's nothing but cuts and cuts and cuts and cuts. To, to now in Holland, where I live in Amsterdam, Holland, they've they've had severe cultural cuts uh, to funding, including the arts, which includes films. And even so, it's difficult to, to get funding because you have to have an established producer attached and uh, I've gone that route before and it's just uh, it's like the great mission impossible it's uh, 
Cats 22 situation. So, I mean, it, it does seem like it's a, a preview uh, of what's to come. Uh, you said you haven't used most of the footage and the women you've, uh, you've shot and you want to do something bigger, but it sounds like you've given up and it will never get really finished the way you wanted it. Well, right now I'm kind of at a standstill. I'm not sure what to do with it because um, the last thing that happened to it was it showed at a film festival at, uh, in Estonia in, in 2012, in July 2012. And uh, funnily enough, I'd been to that. My last film had, been, had shown at that same film, film festival in Estonia in 2004. Uh, but I didn't go to it because it, it's just a very tiny film festival and you know, nothing really happened with it. So, And then it got uh, published at a, at a film festival here in Amsterdam, the, the documentary festival, but without actually getting screened. So it got very little attention. Meanwhile, it's had 100,000 views on Vimeo. And if you just Google it, you put down naked conversations with nude women. It, it, it's on the first 10 pages of results. And at the top is on Vimeo. So you can watch on Vimeo. Um, it was on YouTube for, for, I think, a month or two. And YouTube, and this is the funny part, YouTube took it down after a month or two. And in, in that space of time, it had 15,000 views. And I looked at the demographics that before it had been pulled down by YouTube, stating that it was pornographic, which it isn't, uh, which is very, very, very frustrating because I've seen so much, uh, so many different variations of nudity on YouTube that they just leave it on there. Uh, or even violence that, that they'd have no problem with. Um, but my film was definitely not porn pornographic. Um, uh, but they took it off. Uh, but just before they took it off, I checked the demographics. I wanted to see who was viewing it. And the top, uh, in the top 10 countries, they were all Asian and African countries. The top country was, uh, I think, Afghanistan, Iraq, um, and then Namibia. India, um, you know, countries like that. Uh, and then I think number eight or number nine, was, you know, then we're getting into Western countries. But that I found fascinating because um, I'm a rickshaw driver, a, a bike taxi driver, or as they call it, say in New York, trike taxi because it's three wheels. But I have people, I have passengers from all over the world. And um, whenever I get, you know, I get quite a lot of Arabs that come, uh, like from Saudi Arabia or Kuwait or... Bahrain, um, and, you know, and they're always asking. They they you know, come to Amsterdam because they want to. Where's the red light district and this kind of thing? And um, I think there's there's a need for those in the countries where they have this, where they were where you know they have women. I was reading an article on BBCNews.com the other day of a female filmmaker in Saudi Arabia who directed a film, feature length film, as a woman, and got the funding for it to make the film by the Saudi Arabian authorities, but could not film outside in public because she's a woman. So she had to f direct the film inside a van, concealed inside a van, using a walkie-talkie. So, yeah, I think that, you know, and that's what part of this film is about as well, this, the naked conversation with women, because I'm talking about the emancipation of women Because the fact is that most countries on earth, there hasn't been emancipation for a, for a female gender. hasn't happened. And, you know, when you're living in Canada or Holland, you can easily forget that. But there's a lot of countries where women are repressed or they're locked up or they're, 
they can't go to school, you know, they get raped, or if they do get raped, they go to the police station, nothing happens, I mean, I, I mean, and it's just like a common thing, or they get their nose cut off, like in Afghanistan, or uterus or clitoris uh, sliced out, um, or stoned to death, uh, you know, it's happening in Africa, it's happening in Asia, it's happening a lot of places, um, so that's what part of the film uh, that I'm that I'm showing as well as I'm showing in a positive way without mentioning anything violent or anything. Um, I'm having uh, the woman talk about a, a future world in which they truly are equal with men, and showing the female form for what it is, which is a miraculous. Uh, you know, it's just it is miraculous because you it creates life, so. That's why I'm trying to show the nudity of the female nudity, in this case the female nudity, as something not only normal, natural, but also beautiful, and not to feel bad about saying it's beautiful, you know. So I'll put links to uh, several of his movies in the show notes uh, so that you can look them up as well. Uh, the show notes, of course, are located on the website, which is located at naturistliving.com. Bear Oaks, that's B-A-R-E, Bear Oaks, and .ca, because we're in Canada. That's where you can find all the show notes. And that's all for this episode of the Naturist Living Show. Thank you, as always, for listening, and thank you for your patience, given that this particular episode is a little bit late. Look for the next episode within the next month, in less than one month, because I am going to catch up. I don't want to fall behind or lose one in the process. Uh, my name again is Stéphane Deschain, and I'm your host for this podcast and the owner of Bear Oaks Family Nature's Park. As I said, you'll find all the links in the show notes. And uh, please do keep sending all your comments. And, and thank you for everybody who expressed concern because the show was late. It's true that for the last uh, over four years now, I've been very consistent in my timing. So it's rare that I'm late. So thank you for your concerns. If you do want to be in contact, you can send me a note. The show's email address is naturistliving at bareoaks, that's B-A-R-E again, bareoaks.ca because we are in Canada. Once again, join us in less than a month for the next episode of The Naturist Living Show. This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park, traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca.